It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. We've been walking down a long road that started back then in the garden of Eden We were slaves in Egypt With a heavy load Until God told Moses He was gonna give us our freedom Coming home The chosen people are gonna start coming home the chosen Start coming home Back to Canaan Milk and honey in the promised land It's one big family reunion In the family of man Milk and honey in the promised land It's one big family reunion In the family of man And we were scattered the four winds. We lost our home, our land, our temple, and freedom. We leave through everything they could give us. By the hand of God, we're back with a brand new beginning. Coming home, chosen people are Start coming home. The chosen people are gonna start coming home. Back to Canaan, milk and honey in the promised land. It's one big family reunion in the family of man.
Shelly, for me. 
Rachel knew her man was strong, cutting, chopping all day long, but he was turning forty. He couldn't read. He trimmed your tree, make a dime, married a woman so divine, and she'd be the one change history. Chase your dreams, don't wait for me. A man must face his destiny, and I can't wait to see. Grab each letter as it comes, word by word is how it's done. Line by line, it'll work out fine. Greatest sage that ever lived had a tough time as a kid. You see, he was turning forty, he couldn't read. They stood together like a poem by the river near their home, 'cause what you see is meant to be. He saw soft water, rock and stone, and maybe tore a ridge, my bones, and I changed destiny. I'll grab each letter as it comes, word by word is how it's done, line by line. It'll work out fine. Day, a summer's night. Rachel sat by candlelight. She could wait forever graciously. Came back to town a little gray. A thousand students in his way. She was in the back so patiently. He held the crown for all to see. I could never teach what she taught me, and I learned bravery. I grabbed each letter. Your dreams don't wait for me. A man must face his destiny, and I can't wait to see. Grab each letter as it comes, word by word is how it's done. Line by line, it'll work out fine.
JM in the AM. Oh, there's nothing better than a set of headphones that only has one ear working, he said sarcastically. Oh, believe me, there's nothing better. <laughs> I'm Iran Dvir with Yassi Salayev. You heard Isaac Honig off of the Tana DeVay CD, the Deer Shoe release that we love. That's a great CD. Uh, with the title track, Tana DeVay. Eighth Day with Rabbi Akiva. You heard Miami with Bowie Kala off of the Ut Ut CD. Baruch Levine and Simcholina together, that medley from Project Relax. Um, hang on a second. All right, there we go. Uh, before that, Benny Friedman with Colin Hashemad. It's a title track to his With All My Soul CD. Peace from the Chevra. Aryeh Kunstler and coming home off of the Yes Legacy in Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. JM in the AM, hello all. How are you? It's Thursday at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Did this thing start working? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. I think so. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, all of a sudden it's working. How do you like that? Headphones operating in both ears, it seems, at this point. All of a sudden it kicked in. Wonder of wonder, miracles. Miracle of miracles. Anyway, uh, Rabbi Hanoch Teller is going to join us. Third hour this morning, the master storyteller himself, Rabbi Hanoch Teller. Uh, with us here at JM in the AM. Looking forward to that visit. That'll be, I believe, by telephone. Oh, wait, maybe not. I think he's actually going to be here this morning. Uh, so I look forward to welcoming here, welcoming him here to JM in the AM. Um, I want to thank Miriam L. Wallach. Great job yesterday. Yesterday I was on the road and tuned, I, I actually tuned in yesterday. I, I did what I've alluded to, um, many people doing. Over the last few weeks, I, I listened to, to JM and the AM on three different radio stations yesterday. I didn't even go to the app. And that's usually my go-to. It's usually my big recommendation is to go to the NSN app and tune in. But yesterday, I actually was um, listening at 91.1 FM. Started about, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes before 8 o'clock. And then I switched uh, on the Palisades Parkway. It must have been about... I'm trying to think. Must have been like exit five, six. Does that make sense? My Rockland County friends? I think so. I switched to 90.1 FM. And, excuse me, I switched to 91.9. That's Rockland County, 91.9. And then eventually, as I uh, hit the Catskill region, and this also started really early. I think it started on Route 6. Uh, we switched to 90.1 on the FM dial. And we got JM and the AM all the way until 9 AM. It was really something. So I, now when I make the recommendation, I'm making a recommendation that not only have I done, but I know is really effective and good. A phenomenal way to tune in. If you are traveling, I'm sure there are plenty of people traveling this morning from the New York, New Jersey region, uh, upstate New York. Or if you're doing the opposite on a Monday or any other time, make sure you know that there are three radio stations where you can get this great radio show. And that's in addition to the NSN app and the Listen Line. It's in addition to all that. I was very excited yesterday for that project. Uh, so I, I heard a good part of yesterday's show, and a big thank you to Miriam L. Wallach. Uh, great job, and uh, good to be back here at JM in the AM. Best regards from everybody up at Camp Missouri to all of our friends here in the New York, New Jersey region. They seem to be off to a great start up there under the leadership of uh, Joseph Stansky and Ari Katz. So greetings uh, from uh, Camp Missouri, and a big greeting to them where, let's see, it's still before 6 a.m. camp time up there. You think they're tuned in? Maybe. 
Yeah, first day of camp. A lot of people tend to wake up early on the first day of camp. After that, most of the uh, most of the time, everyone's fatigued, exhausted. Uh, but there may be some people up in uh, in Guilford, New York, tuned in as we speak. Uh, it's a Thursday here at JM and the AM and JMTheAM.org, which means amazing programming all through the day. We'll go through all that, of course, uh, coming up. Make sure to keep it here. Uh, for all that great programming. Tomorrow, weekly update. We will do the weekly update. Malcolm Homeland will join us as uh, we uh, analyze, discuss, and analyze the events of the week. Um, and uh, plenty more all the time, of course, at jmnam.org and on the NSN app, where our great programming continues all day long. Brand new OHA. This is JM in the AM.
אני רושם שלא אשכח, לא אשכח אותם ימים. יצאתי כי שמעתי את קולך, כמו בבפנים אותך ראיתי בעיני ילדים, הקטנים השובבים בתוך צבעי החמה, שבה בין ערים אדם יוצא אינו יודע, הצפון לו בדרכים, הנה יצאת לקראתי. הדלת נפתחה לסמטאות האבנים, בין שיחקו הילדים. באותיות ובמילים, אותך ראיתי פה ושם, כמו המשחק המחבואים, מציץ עליי משגיח, מן החלונות שהיו פתוחים, אדם יוצא ומשאיר, חלון פתוח לעולם, אני מצאתיך לקראתי. השמיים שפתחת מעליי, שתקתי ושמעת תפילותיי. היית לי עמוד אש מלבקש, עמוד ענן בשביל חדש וישן, השמיים שפתחת מעליי, אני שתקתי ושמעת תפילותיי, היית לי עמוד אש מלבקש, עמוד ענן ולא שאלתי אותך לאן. ואז הם באו השירים, המגינות והמילים, כששאלו אותי הילדים, מי עניתי בצלילים, אותך ראיתי לעת ערב, אין כוכב, מתוך דיבוק החברים, מתוך שתיקת עצי הזית, והם היו פרוסים, כמו כהנים המברכים, עטופים בפליטם, אדם לפני שהוא יוצא. השמיים שפרסת מעליי, שתקתי ושמעת תפילותיי, היית לי עמוד אש מלבקש, עמוד ענן, שביל חדש וישן, השמיים שפרסת מעליי. שתקתי ושמעת תפילותיי, היית לי עמוד אש מלבקש, עמוד ענן, ולא שאלתי אותך לאן. עכשיו אני מנגן על הגיטרה, שניגן לנו אבי, בילדותי לפני שינה, כדי שירדם במנגינה. עכשיו כשאיני יכול להירדם, אני קם ומנגן, שקט קצת כי בני הקטן כבר ישן. אותה מנגינה כמעט... אהרן רזל Pretty amazing tune, you mate spot. אוהד had למלך, you heard אמירן דביר with יוסיס. Seven o'clock in the morning, it is a Thursday, and it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmdm.org. Galei Tzal in the background, news from Israel coming up next. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, the amazing storyteller and author himself and teacher. An amazing man is going to be in our studio one hour from now. Speak with him here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Hanoch Teller. Tomorrow morning, our weekly update. All through the day, incredible programming on our stream at jmtheam.org and the NSN app. 
Make sure to stay tuned in all through the day. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Thursday is next. Boker Tov from Jamnia. Galitzal, Shashtayim, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, ראש הממשלה לשעבר, אהוד אולמרט, מערער לעליון על הרשעתו בפרשת טלנסקי. כתבנו רום ליאור. בערעור טוען אולמרט כי קופת הכספים שהייתה ברשותו הייתה קופה פוליטית גם אם נעשו בה שימושים פרטיים, וכי הכספים שהעביר לשולה זקן גם הם פוליטיים, מפני שמרבית עבודתה בלשכתו לא הייתה אישית. בעניין העונש, שמונה חודשי מאסר נטען, מתחם הענישה שנקבע גבוה, והיה עליו להיות דומה יותר לזה שנקבע בפרשת מרכז ההשקעות. בעלו נגזר על ראש הקרב על הגז, אחרי הודעתו של השר דרי הבוקר, לפיה יידרשו שינויים במתווה עם החברות, יושב ראש דלק קידוחים, גדעון תדמור, אמר לפני זמן קצר, אנחנו מסכימים רק להסכם הנוכחי. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי שמע אותו בכנס איגוד החברות הציבוריות בבורסה. המתווה הזה, כמו שאמרתי קודם, כולל כמה גזירות מאוד מאוד קשות מבחינתנו. בלית ברירה אנחנו הסכמנו למתווה, כל עוד זה יהיה המתווה. יש שימוע ציבורי, אנחנו גם נופיע בשימוע הציבורי, יש לנו הרבה השגות על דברים. שנלצנו להסכים להם, ואנחנו חושבים שצריכים להיות אחרת, כך שכל אחד כמובן ישמיע את קולו. הדבר היחיד שאנחנו מחויבים לו זה המתווה הזה. בתוך כך כתבתנו יונה לייבזון מדווחת על מכשול נוסף בדרך לאישור המתווה. גם ממלא המקום של דיוויד גילו לא יחתום על ההסכם. ברשות ההגבלים העסקיים מבהירים כי ממלא המקום שימונה לדיוויד גילו בספטמבר לא יחתום על המתווה, אפשרות אותה בחנו בממשלה. מבחינתם זה עובר על כללי המינהל התקין, וזאת למרות ששני המחליפים האפשריים תומכים עקרונית במתווה, מהלך זה מקשה על הממשלה לפתור את תסבוכת הגז. משרד הביטחון ורפאל מדווחים על סדרת ניסויים מוצלחת במערכת כיפת ברזל. כתבנו טל אברהם. סדרת הניסויים התקיימה בימים האחרונים והיא נועדה להרחיב את טווח היכולות בהגנה על השטח אותה מכסה כיפת הברזל. משרד הביטחון אומרים כי הניסויים עברו בהצלחה והם יובילו לשיפור היכולות של סוללות כיפת הברזל. תלמידיו של הרב מהצפון, הנחשד בקשרים מיניים עם נשים שבאו אליו לייעוץ, עודכנו על פרטי הבדיקה נגדו. כתבנו אוריאל קיים. הרב שמואל אליהו וצוות הרבנים כינסו השבוע את תלמידי הרב וסיפרו להם על מעלליו. על פי העדויות התלמידים פרצו בבכי בבית המדרש לשם הדברים הקשים המיוחסים לרבם. הלילה עצרה המשטרה את הרב בנתב"ג בטרם הספיק לצאת מן הארץ. על פי התלונות שנערמו נגדו הוא קיים יחסי מין עם נשים שהגיעו להתייעץ עמו. גורם המעורה בפרטים אמר לגל"צ כי הרב הודה במיוחס לו בפני ועדת הרבנים כבר בתחילת הבירור, אך הוא מכחיש זאת באמצעות עורך דינו. חבר הכנסת מוטי יוגב מהבית היהודי אומר לגל"צ שאסור לשלב נשים כלוחמות ביחידות השדה. יועז הנדל ורוני בר-און שוחחו איתו הבוקר. אני נגד שירותן של בנות בפלוגות לוחמות של חיל הרגלים או של השריון, שצריך להיות בלבנון באותו טנק שבוע ושבועיים או בעזה, או להסתער על גבעה יחד, או אפילו להיות יחד, ירצה אפילו במחסומים. אדם אחד נפצע קשה ואחר קל בתאונת דרכים בין שתי משאיות בכביש 70 בין צומת יוקנעם למחלף אליקים. המשטרה פתחה בחקירה. מאולפן גלגלצ נמסר שהכביש נחסם לתנועה באזור זה בשני הכיוונים. מזג האוויר מחר ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות ובשבת שוב התחממות. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר, ביצוע טכני, בר ישראלי.
Mati Elowitz on that selection entitled Kadshenu comes from the uh, collection entitled Machshavos. David Perlman with Hadan Alam. You heard Ellie Beer with Kila to open up the 7 o'clock hour. Good morning all, 19 minutes after the hour. No matter where you are, maybe you're on your way somewhere for the 4th of July weekend. Maybe you're, uh, oh, I don't know. On your way to an airport for a little uh, vacation. Maybe you're heading up to the Catskill region. Maybe you're taking some time off from work and just puttering around the house, as we say. (laughs) No matter what you're doing, thanks for tuning us in here at JM in the AM. Big thank you to Miriam Wallach for the amazing job she did yesterday uh, here at JM in the AM. Miriam L. Wallach, that would be. Uh, she'll be on with That's Life at 10.30 Eastern Time this morning, right after uh, Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs here at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. It's Thursday on this July 2nd, the 15th of Tammuz. Fast day is Sunday. Shavasar Batamuz is really Shabbos, but the fast day will be on Sunday. So the three weeks, I guess, officially begin tomorrow night. Yeah. It's a long three weeks, three weeks plus one day. Although I know on Shabbos you don't really feel it, but you get my point. Um, the three weeks format for us begins Monday. We're in Houston on Tuesday afternoon recording Wednesday morning show. We are visiting Houston, Texas and the uh, Jewish community and neighborhood of Houston, Texas in the aftermath of the massive storm that caused a tremendous amount of damage right after Shavuos, you'll recall. We'll be down there visiting, uh, lending our moral support, and uh, reminding people how they could support in general. 
what's happening down there and learning about one of the most incredible Jewish neighborhoods in this country. So that happens Tuesday, which means you'll hear it Wednesday uh, right here at JM in the AM. We are looking forward to that visit to uh, Houston, Texas next week. Should be a uh, a very interesting journey and a very interesting program. Uh, Thursday, a week from today, Charlie Bernhat with cantorial selections appropriate four to three weeks. We'll do that Thursday, one week from today here at JM in the AM. Mostly cloudy with a high of 80, partly cloudy tonight, low 65. Right now we're at 71. Yerushalayim is at 87 and sunny. Our friends in Guilford, New York at Camp Missouri are at 57 degrees. They've got some morning showers to deal with. And here in Jersey City, 71 on a Thursday morning broadcast at JM and the AM. This is that brand new piece that the Neshama Orchestra released a few weeks back with Mordechai Shapiro at the lead vocal at JM and the AM.
Jam in the AM with Diaspora and Esa Ani here at JM in the AM. Before that, Mordechai Shapiro, Neshama Orchestra, with the uh, medley that they released um, a little while ago, a few weeks back, from one of their live weddings. Uh, Torah Connections presents the Shivasar Batamo's program in Brooklyn, New York, this coming Sunday. Rabbi Pesach Krohn, Rabbi Gabriel Sasson, and Rabbi Noach Orlowick will address the uh, gathering this coming Sunday, July 5th, Mincha at 6.15, followed by the program at Merkaz Asimcha, 1898 Bay Avenue, corner of East 19th Street near Avenue M in Brooklyn, New York. Everybody is invited. Uh, Mariv will follow the uh, presentation. Of course, that will be the end of the fast. It will stream live on matsav.com. For information about all of this, 718-998-5822. That's 718-998-5822. So 6.15 Mincha, then the program begins, or by Krohn, or by Sassoon, or by Orlowick. Uh, Shavasar Batamo's program in Brooklyn at Merkaz Asimchan Bay Avenue this coming Sunday on Shivaster Batamas. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Yechanishmasar of Zebner of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning Chizuk. Good morning. Shivaster Batamas, the 17th of Tamos, begins the three week period of semi mourning. We recall the greatness of the Beis Hamikdash and our longing for it once again to be rebuilt. We also have a period of tshuva, of introspection and reflection. It says in Psachim, in every generation, a person is obligated to see himself as though he was going out from Egypt. That means we're obligated to relive the events and not to allow them to disappear. The question arises, is this the same in terms of the Chorban Beis the destruction of the Beis We find in Yerushalmi, very interesting Chazal, any generation that was not successful in rebuilding the Beis HaMikdosh in its days, it is considered as though that generation had the Beis HaMikdosh destroyed. How can it be that any generation that didn't build the Beis HaMikdosh, it's like it was destroyed in that generation? We never had the Beis HaMikdosh, so how could we be guilty of its destruction? We find by Daniel that the Malach Gavriel said to him, Altira Daniel, don't be afraid Daniel, because from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to afflict yourself before Hashem, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel undertook three weeks of Avelis because King Cyrus reneged on a promise to allow the Jews to rebuild the base of Mikdush. With this, we can answer our question. Daniel didn't have the Beis HaMikdash destroyed in his days. He merely requested permission to have it rebuilt, and then it was taken away. He saw this as if the Beis HaMikdash had been destroyed in his days. When we go through the three weeks, these 21 days, we should think that we're going back to the times of the Beis HaMikdash in the days while it was destroyed. It's because of our Beis HaMikdash and the fact that we don't have permission to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash that it's considered as though it was destroyed in our very own days. The great Rosh Hashiva Rav Simcha Wasserman once asked the question, There was crying at night concerning the Beis HaMikdash. Why do we emphasize the fact 
that there was crying at night. Rav Simcha answers that the night is the transition phase between two days. Just like the night will eventually end, the dawn will rise and there will be a new day, so too the period of Golos, of exile, will soon end. And then we will have a bright new day, a day of redemption of the Geula Shalema. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
J.M. in the A.M. Uh, Avi Miller, an amazing young singer out of Israel. Uh, that's one of the selections that was uh, sent to us from his amazing initial collection. Uh, Avi Miller with a song called Vatiten Lanu here at J.M. in the A.M. He's got some incredible material and we'll be playing plenty of it here, I'm sure. Uh, just the other day, somebody was uh, singing his praises, how incredible a singer he is and how popular he is in the Holy Land. Now we get a chance to enjoy him over here as well. Avi Miller, brand new, out of Israel. But Titan Lanu is the name of that selection here at JM in the AM. Thursday morning broadcast at 18 minutes before 8 o'clock. 71 degrees, mostly cloudy, a high temperature of 80. Rabbi Hanoch Teller's got a brand new book. He'll be visiting us in studio coming up in the next few minutes right here at JM in the AM. Look forward to seeing him and uh, schmoozing about the brand new work. And um, tomorrow morning, our weekly update, Malcolm Honeline with the events of the week. We'll discuss all of it tomorrow morning at about 7.40. Make sure to be tuned in on a Friday morning broadcast. Incredible programming on our stream all day long. It's one thing we do is provide incredible material all through the day, even the first Thursday in July, when some people are completely in vacation mode. We are in provide incredible programming mode. That's what we are. Uh, so first of all, you'll have an opportunity to um, hear Charlie Harari at 9 a.m. Today's boardroom show will be remembering Nicholas Winton, the man who organized the rescue of 669 children destined for Nazi concentration camps. Mikey Davis will be on for the In the News segment. For the Unlocking Greatness Spotlight, Sarah Hofstetter, CEO of 360i, talking about the power of telling your story. Since it's a season finale, they'll be ending the show with three ways in which we can take inspiration and turn it into practical change for our lives. That's what's happening with Charlie Harari between 9 and 10. It is actually a season finale week at the Nahum Siegel Network. There'll be great programming all through the summer, but some of the shows are going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus, so we'll keep you up to date week by week, by week until we get to uh, the end of August and the brand new season of the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, Jew in the City Speaks, that's happening today on... Um, on the Nachum Siegel Network, and today she speaks with the Hasidic Jewish woman who solved the Trader Joe's Parv chocolate chip problem. <laughs> and Rabbi Jack Abramowitz, an out-of-the-box Orthodox rabbi who has a plan to help you learn all of Mishnah Torah just a few minutes each day. It's coming up at 10 o'clock this morning with Allison Joseph's Jew in the City here at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Uh, Miriam Wallach who was great yesterday here at JM in the AM, and I thank her for sitting in. Uh, today she's doing a live show at 10.30 with Puaz Rabbi Gideon Weitzman. Hear about their upcoming event in the five towns, and how they're helping couples conceive, and how that struggle is really one that the greater community faces together. All that and more as we head into this holiday weekend and wrap up season number three of what we call the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, we'll be doing a live lunch coming up at... Um, Coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. And um, make sure to be tuned in all through the day. Quarter before 8 o'clock, it's J.M. in the A.M. And this is a um, this is a selection from 8th Day. Raising flags Seeing you 
address the nation ranks Seen them all turn around Just like you I hold my ground But I stand quiet, I stand still Like a rock throughout the ages I'm just a stone from your home I'm Jerusalem Stone And I waited all this time See you in this land of mine And I waited through the ugliness and grime See you in this land of mine Day that's Jerusalem Stone here at JM and the Amor. Teller is going to be joining us coming up in the eight o'clock hour. Author of a brand new book, 
which we will discuss here at JM and the AM. If you take a look at our community calendar, you'll see the pre-independence day uh, beat the three weeks bash. <laughs> it's a good concept. I like that. <laughs> Can't do anything on the 4th, right? That's Shabbos. Can't do anything on the 5th. It's Shabbos or Tammuz, and it's the three weeks. So uh, they make sure to uh, have an event on the 2nd. It's happening uh, tonight. Uh, Anand Kvodo's first event in memory of the Seidenfeld children happening in Congregation Ramat Ora beginning at 8.30 p.m. this evening. Information about all of it, just go to our website. It's on the community calendar uh, under today's date, the 2nd of uh, July, and you'll find it there. Uh, a whole bunch of great events are already posted. If you have not yet posted your event for the summer or any time on our JMAM community calendar, please do so. Go to jmam.org, click on community calendar, and uh, and that's that. So, we appreciate you uh, you doing that and letting everybody know what events are going on in your area. Be a great help to a lot of people. Nine minutes before eight o'clock, it's JM and the AM. This is a selection from uh, Meshulam Greenberger, brand new at JM and the AM.
in the morning on a Thursday. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. I want to thank uh, Miriam L. Wallach for sitting in yesterday. Had the opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to listen to all three radio stations as I was traveling up to Camp Missouri yesterday. Um, our main flagship here in the New Jersey, New York area, then our uh, station on the that's heard on the Palisades Parkway in the Rockland County area, and then our station, of course, in the Catskills at 90.1. So it was pretty amazing, that whole experience. And I uh, thank all of you who all summer long 
who are traveling that route are using one, two, or three radio stations to tune into us. Remember, you could use the NSN app and make it really easy on yourself by tuning in and never having any reception problems whatsoever. Sundays, the Shavasa Ratamas program with Harry Pesach Kron, Rabbi Gavriel Sasson, Rabbi Noah Orlowick, happening Sunday uh, with Mincha at 615 at Merkaz Simcha, 1898 Bay Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. That's for Shavasa Ratamas this coming Sunday. He is the author um, of about 28 books. That's the quote from him. About 28 books. His newest book is entitled Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, master author, educator, storyteller, is in our studio on this Thursday morning at JM in the AM. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It is a pleasure to have you here, and uh, I'm always I'm always amazed when I tell my listeners about the number of books you've written. I think back in 1991... I made a commitment to finish my first book <laughs> in honor of my 10th anniversary on the air, which would have been 1993. So I said, oh, perfect. we got a deadline. You know, <laughs> they go, well, we're still waiting. <laughs> we're still waiting for that one. I'm not nearly up to 28. In fact, I'm just waiting for the first. Well, this, it, would, this would be a good one to start with. Would, would it be a good one? <laughs> Is the first as more difficult than the other 27? Is the first book that you written that you wrote, rather, was that a more difficult project than all the others subsequently? Factually, no. Uh, this book was 14 years in the works. The one that we have now. Right, Heroic Children. And none took as long as this one. No, this is a very serious book with a lot of research. All your books contain a lot of research, right? But none to this level. None to this level. Unbelievable. Has this been released yet? Is this available uh, to the public? I believe already. The boat docked uh, last week, so it should be out. All right. So everybody out there can uh, obtain it. Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. This is, and uh, based on the quotes that have been uh, uh, getting around from people like uh, Michael Medved, serious radio personality, or by Yisrael Mayer Lau, a survivor himself as a child, and, of course, a former chief rabbi of Israel, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. That name certainly means a lot in the Jewish world and the world in general around the globe. And Sir Martin Gilbert as well, which is also a pretty prominent name. All of these uh, individuals have uh, heaped praise on you for this uh, for this book. Um, I hate to ask the question this way, but how is this Tales of the Holocaust book different from other Tales of the Holocaust book? Okay. Uh, the fact of the matter is there is no dearth of Holocaust literature. However, what happened was when the war was over, people who survived were obviously very interested in relating their stories and how they had suffered. At the time, the children could not tell their story, and they haven't really since. So this is the one frontier that's yet to be told. The children survivors, and there weren't all that many of them, are now, of course, in the grips of very old age, right. if they're still alive. And it was important to document their stories. Uh, and let me ask you a question. Hmm. What is the most, and you're not hmm. what's the most <laughs> famous story of the Holocaust? The most famous? Oh, gosh. And it's an easy, it's not a hard question. It's not? It's not a hard question. Now I, now I really feel terrible. <laughs> I ruined your whole, I, I ruined the whole momentum here this morning. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you mean by the most famous. The most answer is, make it easy. Anne Frank? Correct. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is correct. So Anne Frank is the most internationally renowned story of the Holocaust. However... Anne's story is not a reflective story. She wasn't in the ghettos, wasn't in the camps. Right, she was hidden in an attic. Right, she had a roof over her head with right. her family, a modicum of food. Right. And yet, and yet, because it's a story, it's the most famous. So what we've tried to do with this book is, re- I don't want to say replace, but make a book which is reflective of the Holocaust that youngsters can read, families can read, become part of school curricula, 
about the Holocaust. Rabbi Lau, for instance, spent time as a young child in a concentration camp. Correct. Right. And this, and that was replicated by many, I don't know what the mm-hmm. figure would be, but in the millions, right? In the millions of children, I would guess, that spent some time in a concentration camp. No, as a rule, children did not survive. As though. a rule, they did not. So it was a, rule, a, a children, relatively small number. Children were wrenched from their family. They couldn't manage on their own. Right. Uh, they were subject to disease and squalor, or they were just liquidated immediately because they served no purpose for the Nazis. Right. It was uh, a greater miracle of all the miracles of the children who survived. All right. What made you start this project 14 years ago? What What made you? What 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 came mm-hmm. to you, or what What did you say to yourself that made you embark on this? Well, I've been following Holocaust education a long time. I'm a dos- a senior docent in Yad Vashem, but uh, 14 years ago, Rabbi Marvin Heyer from the Wiesenthal Center asked me to write the book, and actually, the Wiesenthal Center had initially commissioned it, and then they just realized they were just. Their, their heart is in movies, and they, they right. pulled out with the best blood in the world. But uh, that started it. He was the catalytic enzyme, and then 14 years later, here it is. How different is your tour of Yad Vashem than other tour guides that are walking through that building? Uh, the answer is, which is really much reflected in the book, is uh, the way I do it. I'm somewhat baffled by other tour guides who relate num- mind-numbing information Statistics and Statistics. episodes. And we're talking about an infinite crime. What I do all the time is relate personal stories. Wherever I go, wherever being be in a museum, I relate a personal story which can lock it in onto one, pers- one thing which is easier to remember and much better to relate to. It also personalizes the story. And in this juncture, I can tell you a very remarkable story. If you're looking at the cover of the book, sure. uh, it's, you know, what happened was working 14 years, you'd imagine that I... Uh, would think about making a cover for the book. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> no, but somehow. And the cover is a very important aspect. Oh, whoever, yeah. Whoever you you says, know why they say don't judge a book by its cover, because everybody does. <laughs> or, or better yet, I always say whoever says don't judge a book by its cover never tried to sell one. <laughs> very good. So we were late in putting together cover, and uh, so put my modest little team on looking for a picture, and uh, even with all my connections in Yad Vashem, we were not so successful till. We found this this picture, which is really quite appropriate. However, the copyright holder is United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. For this photo. Right. So I wrote them a letter requesting permission. Right. And they said, no problem. You'll have it in three weeks. Three weeks. I needed it in three days. Right. And, you know, life is such a roller coaster. I was so high, found the picture. And now, so then I thought, you know, to turn a picture from low res to high res does not require three weeks. It's about 10 seconds. Right. But this is a bureaucracy. Hundreds of people work in the Holocaust Memorial Museum. Approvals from this one and that one. Right. So I, I thought, who do I have a protexia? Pardon me for being an Israeli. <laughs> who is my connection? And then I have, there's a fellow in Baltimore, a very well-known individual. They say in his cell phone he has everyone's, every senator and congressman's yeah, personal number. Yeah. So, and his son, Aryeh Friedman, learns in Yeshiva right next to my house. Right. So I said, Aryeh, does your father have a connection to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum? He said, no. And then he said, but my mother is a member of the board. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was going to wring his neck. <laughs> so I sent an email to Judge Chaya Friedman, and I said, I need your help. i got to get this picture. He said, I'll try and help you. And one day later, I had the picture. Now, when you request the picture, you have to fill out a form. You're not going to alter it. A picture has eight children. You're going to put in six children. That's a violation. I wrote, I'm going to make this change, this change, that change, this change, that change, this change, that change. And a day later, I got the picture. And then I had this idea, because what I'm always trying to do with my Holocaust teaching is personalize the individual. Right. So on the cover, it's sepia, and there's one boy which is colored right. to highlight. And I thought this requires a little more permission because I didn't request this. So I emailed back to Judge Friedman. I said, Chaya, I need permission for this. He said, I'm very sorry. I'm busy in a murder trial. 
I don't really have time for this. I said, God, help me out. So she said, I'll do what I can. And I got back, uh, and I was going to press that night. I had, you know, the plates were burned. Permission to colorize one of the children's right. photos. I didn't have yet permission. Right. And uh, I was hoping that she was going to, yeah, I figured mm-hmm. she could pull it off. Anyways, I have the printing cue it that night. Three hours, T-minus three hours. The plates are burned around the drums. We're ready to press the button. And <laughs> I get an email from the Holocaust Memorial Museum saying, Dear Rabbi Teller, I'm very sorry you may not use the picture. If you want to use it the way it is, okay. But, any but otherwise, we spoke to our legal department. The person who I colorized is very sensitive, and he spoke out about it, and you cannot use the picture. Wow. Three hours to go. I'm fashrecked like nobody's business. I don't know what to do, but I'm a fighter. So I wrote her back an email, and I said, tell me, give me his phone number. Let me call him. I said, I'm very sorry, but we don't know where he is. And I think, well, but you, you just told me. That he's out, outspoken about it, right? So, I, so she sends me an online clipping, which appeared on the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And that picture is from the liberation of Auschwitz. This year, four people from the picture went back to Auschwitz. These are obviously very elderly people. Right. Pointing to themselves in that picture. And it was apparent from this picture, right, in Yeshivish, it was Mashmer from the picture, that his last name is Hirsch, and says he's from Europe. So I had two hours and 40 minutes to find this fellow, <laughs> maybe Hirsch, from Europe. So I said like this, Sherlock Teller. I figured like this. England, that's not Europe. They wouldn't say that. Russia, that doesn't count. Aww. Not Israel. Right. I'm left with 16 countries. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. So then I'm looking at the picture. I think a guy who's in such good shape, he's obviously not from Poland. Correct. He must be from Hungary. Because they invaded Hungary very in late, March right. 1944. Right. Wow, that's a good deduction on your part. So I figured like, Hungarian is never going to move to France. Right. So now, basically, I'm down to Belgium, Belgium and Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And I figured Holland also is not good for Hungarian. So I have a very clever friend who lives in Switzerland, Mushaluzer. I call Mushaluzer Mushaluzer, and he works for IBM. I said, Mushaluzer, I need a fellow uh, Auschwitz survivor. He's probably close to 90. His last name may be Hirsch. He said, Chanaich. He said, this. No, there's no way. If he's a from person, I would know him. There's no such person in there. Right. I don't know if he's religious. Right. I said, you know what? He's probably from Hungary. So that means his first name is either Tibor or Gavor. <laughs> That's yeah. the Hungarian equivalent of Mike and Steve. Right. So he, I'm hearing typing on the computer. He said, Gavor Hirsch, 86-year-old engineer. Here's his phone number. I called him up. You're not, this cannot, <laughs> it can't, this can't be true. This cannot be it's true. It's harder for me to parallel park than it was for me to find this fellow. <laughs> And there was 34 minutes left. I send an email to the Holocaust Memorial Museum. I say, dear Mrs. Cohen, I've spoken to this person. He gives me permission. If you have any problems, here's his phone number. And I have actually, I can show you a picture of him holding the book in Zurich. Anyways, that's my story. Unbelievable. I took that as an omen for the book. This is why people find stories so hard to believe. (laughs) Because they are unbelievable. And these things happen to you. But as you say... You're a fighter, and you made sure to set into motion what was necessary to get this done. Unbelievable. J.M. and the Amber by Hanoch Teller is here. The brand new book is Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. Again, you know, crazy question, but did you hear stories and accounts from those whom you researched that were so different than the stories you had heard from World War II before then? Okay, so this book, there are nine stories. Uh, the story begins wherever the person was when the war broke out, wherever the child was, and it ends... So it's like nine biographies, really. In a way, but it's right. only for the war, war time. War biographies. And it ends upon their liberation. Right. There's an epilogue where they are today, and you know they're able to wipe the dust off the shoulders, right. the ashes off the shoulders. Uh, I know quite a bit about Holocaust and stories and children, 
that, that's my specialty, my specialization. But these stories are pretty seriously researched. It's possible to read this book, and you will know everything about the Holocaust, which is why Michael Medved right. said what he said. Which they don't know. Hmm. Michael Medved writes, If you were to read just one book about the Holocaust, the riveting, intimate, and unforgettable narrative should be the one. And he's referring to yours, of course. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, so, these stories are riveting. So, not everyone wants to read about the Holocaust. These mm-hmm. are gripping stories, and they're very uplifting stories. And when you finish, you're much more knowledgeable about the Holocaust. And uplifting, I mean, to overstate the obvious, because all nine survived. And there's always a, mm-hmm. a tale of hope at the end, because they've been liberated. And that's right. the... And that's the, uh, and that's the great miracle, of course, also, that people were able to survive and then build... All right. Fabulous families. Have we heard, and I just was handed the book this morning, folks, so don't blame my lack of research. Do we uh, know, does the general public know any of these nine figures? Uh, some of them are quasi-prominent. Some are not at all. Uh, when I selected, it was hard because I had nine people I wanted from different parts of Europe, different socioeconomic backgrounds, some religious, some not yet religious. I wanted to get the right mix because I want this to be a book that everyone will be able to pick up. Right. It's a crossover. It's for a general audience. Right. And uh, the fact is, is that afterward, there were many people who survived the Holocaust who made deliberate efforts to forget what occurred. Yeah, of course. And when, they had phenomenal stories. But when I spoke to them, I saw that their facts were not accurate. Mm. Not deliberate. They just... Of course. They don't they, recall it the they way. They don't recall, and right. they deliberately changed it. So I had to make sure that this was going to stand up to any scrutiny. And it's very well researched, and scholars read it over. So uh, these nine stories, I know they're accurate, and they portray the story precisely as it occurred. Not sure why this is important, but I'm curious. Of the nine, where do they live? Are there any in the United States now? In Israel? Where the, majority, are the majority of them are in the United the States. The U.S. Interesting. Uh, one is from Switzerland. One is from Mexico City. One is from South Africa. Uh, but the majority from the United States. Interesting. That uh, and anything, anything we learned from that that the majority <laughs> of this group came to America afterwards. Well, the, after the war was over, Israel was the greatest host for Holocaust survivors, right. followed by the United States. Right. The United States was not immediate after right. the war. America, just like during the war, they did not let them in. They did not after the war as well. It's about three years after the war was over that finally they let Nazis in, they let Ukrainians in, right. but Jews they did not let in. So sort of those who, uh, I don't know, who lingered in Europe, they had the greater chance to get to the United States because they were there for a couple of years? Uh, it all meant getting a visa. So there's right. different ways. People went to South America, to Central America, to Cuba. Right. And they, one, of my fellow, one of my children was in Cuba, and, and then he got the visas to come to America years later. Right. Um, all nine, I assume, well, maybe I shouldn't assume, uh, left, uh, left the war with no family, or I should not assume that? Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, children, that's not true. Some did, some didn't. Some actually had family members that survived okay. with them. One, one of the more prominent people in the book is a fellow named Sal Teichman mm-hmm. from Los Angeles. Uh, oh, yeah, we know Sal Teichman, yeah. So his brother, Steve, he carried him on his back for a 50-mile death march. So his brother, I mean, Sal was a short And they both survived, man. of course. They both survived. But uh, of his family, uh, that was a very large family, a handful survived. Wow. Now one of the most prominent families in the West Coast. Correct. Uh, Rabbi Hanoch Teller is here. The book is called Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. How many tour guides are there in Yad Vashem? I don't even know. It's in the hundreds? I would imagine. And is your tour very different for Jews than for non-Jews? Or not really? Not that different. I mean, the non-Jews really like. I mean, there's a... They They have more of a... The evangelicals love when I give them a tour. I mean, they queue up for a... Right. Tour. I'm a volunteer, so right. they can't assign me. I have to agree to. Understood. But in general, do the I don't know the the average tourist to Israel, 
maybe even those who are not that religiously connected, referring, of course, to non-Jews in this case, do they, how would you describe it, appreciate, uh, do they do they gain a lot from the experience? I mean, what what happens when a group that really is completely disconnected from that piece of history, unlike us, what is it like for them when they go through that museum? Oh, that's interesting because Yad Vashem, the way it was created, the curators, when they put together a museum, it was made to be guided. So uh, you can go to other museums and do it on your own. Right. Yad Vashem, you can go to Yad Vashem also on right. your own, but it was made to be guided. So if they have a tour, tour guide, a good tour guide, they'll come back and pack it. It'll make a difference. If it's not one, if it's boring, who's heavily accented one, they'll get very little out of the museum. Right. Um, so you write about these... Uh, nine. Who was the first one that you that you met, or you know, that you decided to write about fourteen years ago? It might have been Saul Teichman. That was sure. the one. I'm not sure if he was the first one, but uh, I don't remember who was the and first. And do you, like some of us, leave these sessions completely feeling guilty or inadequate? I mean, after all, you and I both did not carry someone 50 miles, you know, through a death march to save their life. Do you, and we know what Jewish guilt can do and how prevalent it is, even in this generation, do, do you feel sometimes inadequate after meeting people like this and hearing these stories and questioning your and questioning your own life and the things you are and I may complain about? I'm not sure if the word is inadequate, but I do feel more matured. In other words, Reading a book like this will make you much more sensitive. Well, let me put it this way. It will change you insofar as that you'll become less petty, bellyache less. You will not be uh, so bent out of shape over minor So issues. if I read this book, I won't be as concerned that there's no raisin bran in the house, you're saying? Correct. You'll feel And certain. it really works. Yes. It's a certain mentality that makes you less, l- less engaged with self-pity. Right. At any age, I mean, even at 20, you could someone could read this and and absolutely and incorporate that. Correct. So inadequate's the wrong word. The right word would be. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. This is not my insight. It's Rabbi Beryl Wine. Yeah. In Yad Vashem, there's the Children's Memorial. Right. And if you've ever been there, and I'm sure many of your listeners have sure. been there, it's a room as black as black can be. Right. And you see the reflection of candles. Mm-hmm. It looks like a million to right. commemorate the one half million children who perished under the age of 12. Uh, factually, if you're interested, it's five candles, but very cleverly. That's well, it. A total of five with right. all the reflections. All the reflections. So brilliantly done. And you'll hear the name in tape in Yiddish, right. Hebrew, and English, and right. the names of children who perished. Right. And if you are of Ashkenazic ancestry, the only reason that we are here today is thanks to a miracle: our grandparents, our great grandparents. Correct. And no one thinks those who survived that they were more righteous or pious than those children who perished. Correct. So that gives a sense to a person: if we survived, it must be for a person. So Rabbi Berlin mentioned that the one name you don't hear is your own name. Mm-hmm. And I think about this often. Moshe Rabbeinu had many beautiful names. Avigdor, Tuvia, Yedidia, and yet and yet, he always wanted to be known as Moshe. He always had before his eyes that image he was drawn forth from the water. He could have been alligator fodder at the bottom of the river, but he was saved. And that, that's an image that's empowering. If you're saved, it has to be for, for a purpose. For your family, for your people. And even us, and I remind you that my mother left right after Kristallnacht from Germany, so even us who are in the next generation have to somewhat um, refer- think of ourselves as survivors. Correct. Right. We're on our shoulders. Right. Only here because of a miracle. Right. No wonder I'm so infused with Jewish <laughs> guilt. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, you, you think back to what my previous generation went through and... You know, whether it was Germany or Palestine, and those were the two central points of, of our family going back one generation, it was just, 
you know, today in our lives today, nothing compared to what was going on then. Milk milk toast. Exactly. I mean, like I say, you know, raisin bran might Mm -hmm. be the biggest problem. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You don't have the latest iPhone and... Right, exactly. Absolute torture. Exactly. It's, you know, and I... I'm sorry for harping on it through this conversation, mm-hmm. but it's so it's it's such an important it's such a prevalent um, thought and feeling that I'm sure so many people have. And by the way, those who are further removed, there could be sixth generation American Jews who nonetheless feel this type of of attitude because of you know what's gone on uh, in recent history and and the fact that they've met plenty of people who are either survivors or are children of survivors, etc. So it's not just if you're completely you know. Right. Well grounded in your connection to that generation. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is here. He is a, a master storyteller, an author, an educator. He is going to be making some appearances in the New York, New Jersey area. Um, this coming Tuesday in Teaneck, is that the one? Correct. This uh, coming Tuesday. In we can actually go before that. In Shavasa Batamas, there'll be two talks. All right. Oh, Shavasa Batamas, we have Highland Park, New Jersey. Correct. That's at 7 o'clock. Congregation Ohav MF, they say they uh, refer to it as OE down in Highland Park, and that's going to be happening starting at 7 p.m. Also, after Mincha in Rabbi Rudinsky Shul, I'm assuming that's Muncie. Correct. In Muncie, this coming Sunday in Shavasar Batamas, right after Mincha, which begins at 145, uh, Rabbi Teller will be there as well. So again, Sunday, Rabbi Rudinsky Shul up in Muncie, that starts right after Mincha, which begins at 145, and then the Highland Park Congregation Ohav MF, and that is 7 p.m. On Sunday night, toward the end of the fast. On Monday, July the 13th, out in Holliswood. Uh, Tuesday, July the 14th, uh, with Dr. Krupka in Farakaway. Very good. At 7.45. And now moving a little bit uh, uh, in advance. Uh, well, I don't closer. Know. Yeah, closer. Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday in Teaneck, New Jersey, at the Fox Family on Churchill Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. That begins at 7.30. I'm assuming that's this coming Tuesday night. Correct. And then on Wednesday, July the 8th, at the Daskal Family in Woodmere, New York, beginning at 8.30 p.m., and that's on Long Acre Avenue in Woodmere. So Rabbi uh, Teller has a full schedule. This is all on the website, right? Uh, I don't know if I have specific addresses on my website. All right. But, but you can rectify that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we recommend you go to the website. Uh, you just search the name of Hanoch Teller and you will get there and uh, enjoy his appearance. Those will be appearances where you'll speak, where you'll... Post- These are book launches, so I'll be speaking on the topic of the Holocaust and the books will be available. All right, and everyone will have an opportunity to purchase it there and to... Uh uh, meet Rabbi Hanoch Teller. How is your, uh, or I shouldn't say how is, because I'm assuming it's either come to a close or very close to coming to a close. How has the school year been in Israel for you? Still teaching mm-hmm. at 13, 14 seminaries? It's actually, I've really truncated it. We're down to uh, about a handful. Uh, school year is over. <laughs> handful for you might meet over 13. <laughs> was it a banner year or not? It was a great year. It was a great year. How different is it, because you've now been doing this uh, quite a while, um, and we always wonder, you know, about our own kids, and I've got a bunch of teenagers at home. How different is it, this generation, compared to those you taught 20 years ago? Uh, there's a lot more ADD, that's for sure. There is. And uh, there's more challenges, uh, distractions, and we, we grow up with this. I mean, that's really what teachers' meetings are all about now in seminaries, how to deal with the distractions. Technology? Correct. That's the main one. Uh, yeah. So if not for that whole technological advancement, kids today would be just like we were. No, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, people, you're worried about a girl who's going to be texting during class. Right. 
But when we were kids, we wrote notes. Right. We passed them. That's just the, the new we way. Fa- we found methods of communication. <laughs> I mean, you know. So today they're communicating with people thousands of miles away. No, but it's very, I think it's sobering for a teacher to realize you get so furious when you see someone moving on their, on their phone. Right. We did the same thing. With, we, we, threw note, we passed notes. Correct. And if we had to pass the boredom with uh, mm-hmm. some other method, mm-hmm. you went ahead and did that, you know. So uh, now I guess it's just easier with all those smartphones. The book is called Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable, Rabbi Hanoch Teller. This is available, has uh, been met with critical acclaim. It must be amazing for you. Look, we know that, you know, Rabbi Lau takes these works very seriously, and he has been an incredible storyteller himself about the Holocaust, and I'm sure you read his book, which is simply remarkable. Uh, but when people like Sir Martin Gilbert, you know, great historians like that, and Rabbi Sachs, who's, uh, you know, well-recognized throughout every uh, um, a- academic world uh, these days, uh, you know, every avenue of the academic world, it must be amazing when they give these types of approbations to your work. Uh, needless to say, I was very tickled. I don't know if you're aware of Mar- Sir Martin Gilbert is no longer living. He passed wow, right. away this year. Right. But he was crazy about the book. He loved it. And I'm very saddened that I can't present it to him. Mm. And ha- did you meet him? Did you? Uh... Uh, we met, yes. Uh, he was hands down the greatest historian regarding the Holocaust, arguably, and the, of this century. He wrote 80 books. Right. Evelyn's scholarly works that are ex- eminently readable. And any question, uh, many questions I asked him, and he's a, a, an outstanding scholar. I asked him questions about the Holocaust, and he said to me, again, I can't mimic the British accent, he <laughs> said, but I pondered this all my life. And with tremendous humility, he didn't know many of the questions, the answers to questions that I have. Most, many questions he did. And it was a historical fact, he knew the answer. He knew you were working on this, obviously. No, he read the book. He right. read the book. He, so he read the manuscript, I guess we'd call Correct. it, right? Um, so, so he knew that you were completely, you know, this was enveloping your professional life at that time. Uh, did he acknowledge, as you said earlier in the conversation, that this type of book really didn't exist with all the work he had done and everything that he had researched, that this type of perspective from children who had reached this age was never published? Uh, he was aware of that. And, again, I, I must give credit to Rabbi Heyer, who was right. the one who pointed out that this is something that needs to be done. It's a new, that is the new frontier. Because, like we said initially, there is no dearth of literature, but this is something which is unique. And certainly to tell the story in the children's voices. Uh, Sir Martin Gilbert wrote a book called The Boys, mm-hmm. about boys who came to England on the kinder transports right. and how their lives were, were changed. But these ones, they're starting their new life all over in England. Right. Uh, of these nine, you said there's a, uh, the nine meaning, uh, for those who just tuned in, the nine uh, personalities that you featured in this book. You indicated earlier that some are w- what we would consider you know, religious or observant or orthodox Jews at this point, some not yet at, the, at that point, etc., etc. I- is there a way, and I've been so curious about this um, uh, for a variety of reasons, is there, is there a way to, to draw some type of uh, c- conclusion as to what the attitude of religious Jews in the camps were toward their non-observant colleagues and what the attitude of non-observant Jews were to those who were trying to hold on to their religion. Do these nine give any indication of what that relationship was like? In one story there, the tension is very, very prominent. Uh, tension. The tension was very prominent between a father who remained very steadfastly religious. He didn't eat non-kosher food the entire war. And Which is very own. hard to believe. Right. The entire time they were on their own. Wow. And one son had really had it with religion. And so that tension is very prominent. Otherwise, it's not so much given expression. Uh, not, every, again, like, not every story is about a religious person in the book. Uh, not then, not now. Uh, well, there's great confusion. People believe that after the war, so many people lost religion 
the fact of the matter is it's really divided down the middle. There are many people who lost religion and many people who gained religion, and it's 50-50. That, that experience of World War II brought them closer to God. Correct. Ritually closer to God. That's right. You're silent. Well, somewhat hard to believe. And, you know, like you just indicated, you know, anybody who's been paying attention for the last few decades has certainly been, you know, convinced mm. otherwise that that group was a very small group. Uh, no, it's, it's a historical fact. It was 50-50. And the fact of the matter is people, uh, this is a, a philosophical thing, really not my domain up right. um, above my pay grade, <laughs> but... Uh, People like to dump on the Holocaust. I cannot believe in a God who allows six million right. Jews to... Convenient do. excuse, right. But that whole statement is so odious, and I find it repulsive. I can't believe that would allow six million Jews. And if it would be four million, or two million, or it's such a number game. And if it wouldn't be Jews, right. what about two million Cambodians? Right. I find the whole statement And repulsive. what about the tens of millions that have been murdered in the last year in this, on this globe? I, right. You know, we know what's going on. It's easy on. to dump on, and they would have said the same. So this is a convenient excuse. And the fact of the matter is, these people are ignorant of Jewish history. What about the fact that we lost one-third of our people in Chomnitsky massacres? Right. Or we lost over 90, we lost 90% of our people in the time of Chorban Bayes Rishon. But if someone were to say that, I can't believe in God because of what happened in the time of the temple's destruction, they'd look bizarre and mm -hmm. weird. But this is just more convenient. These are ignoramuses. Yeah. Someone pointed out to me uh, this week, I have no idea, I have not researched this to, <laughs> to authenticate it, but someone said that the world Jewish population has now reached where we were before World War II, that has now gotten back. You know, this week or this month or this year has now gotten back to where we were before World War II. I don't know if that's a fact or not, but... Uh, I don't know. What's interesting to know is that it is a fact that we lost one-third of our people in the Holocaust. Correct. Six million. Current histor hist historians believe it's a much higher figure, closer to seven million. But that's a fact. But from a religious perspective of the religious community, it's not reflective at all. At the time of the Holocaust, there were three Masifta high schools, three high schools in America that were poorly attended. There was no Beshakov, no girls' school, right. no Kolel. The number of boys learning at yeshiva level in Israel was under 500. That means the heart and soul of Torah Judaism was in Lithuania, Romania, Hungary, Poland, White Russia. That was not decimated. That was, that was annihilated. Right. It was over 95%. Right. And you look around, the rejuvenation is just absolutely incredible. It is unbelievable. Um... Everybody is invited to Rabbi Hanoch Teller's book tour. He's going to be launching the uh, release of Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable this coming Tuesday at the Fox Family in Teaneck, New Jersey on Churchill Avenue that starts Tuesday night at 7.30. The Daskal Family on Wednesday night in Woodmere starting at 8.30 p.m. on Longacre Avenue. This coming Shavasar Batamos is coming Sunday. He's at Rabbi Rudinsky Shul in Muncie starting uh, after the 145 Mincha Highland Park Congregation Oav Emeth on Sunday night right before the end of the fast starting at 7 p.m. on Monday, July the 13th out in Holliswood and Tuesday the 14th of July, Dr. Kripke will be the host in Far Rockaway, and that starts at 7.45. Information, you can go to Rabbi Hanuk Teller's website. Book is available everywhere at this point. I'm assuming all the major uh, places online have it as well. That's correct. Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. Hanoch Teller, a book that uh, you said earlier in the, in the conversation because we talk about stories and how, and you mentioned how in this case it was even more difficult because of selective recall that some of the... Uh, 
uh, or exaggerated recall or non-recall that some of the survivors had. Confused um, recall. Confused recall. You said that the research on this had to be really extensive. I'm not quite sure how you go about doing that to authenticate, you know, whether these uh, accounts that these survivors have given you are in fact accurate or not. I mean, what what method or what direction do you go in to try to do that? Well, firstly, my own knowledge I have to apply. If I right. found something that was wrong, and I have to make sure that historically, geographically is correct. You know, you talk about the Holocaust. Sir Martin Gilbert mentioned this to me, that a historian knows one period of time, one place. To know the Holocaust, it's 15 different regimes, different countries. For example, uh, Germany took over Poland. Everything was in German. Holland, everything remained the same. In Holland, the fellow in the subway, in the tram, he had a, he had the same cap, same uniform, just with a Nazi emblem. The postman remained the same, just a Nazi emblem. It wasn't takeover. It was the local jurisdiction. Right. Everything is different. So what I did was I had to make, so, make sure that everything was accurate geographically, historically. Uh, there are no contradictions. Then there's a scholar, Aaron Breitbart, from the Wiesenthal Center, who read over the entire manuscript. Uh, Dr. Michael Thaler, who's one of my children, he is a significant, I mean, he's a league of his own scholar. Uh, he's also a world-class doctor. I mean, Where does he live? He lives in San Francisco. Uh, he's originally from Canada. He's a world, um, originally from Poland, but he's uh, a world-class doctor, a scholar, uh, one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. He read the entire manuscript. Uh, everyone had their comments. And then in the end, the senior editor in Yad Vashem, a colleague of mine, read through the whole thing, who made me crazy because every single word, every single spelling, he, uh, he challenged. Yeah, and some of those towns <laughs> in Europe are not easy huh, to spell. I put another dot on top of the Z, you know. Put a needle <laughs> that should do it. <laughs> a double cross through the L, you know. Where are you from originally? Pennsylvania, right? Incorrect. Off by a mile. Why did I think you were... Where? Uh, Vienna. What? Why did I think you grew up in this area? Am uh, I totally wrong? I, I am from the area, but I was originally, I was born in Vienna. Okay, and then where from I- this area? And then when I was a child, I moved to v- to Stanford, Connecticut. I oh, brought Conne- my parents with me. Connecticut, there you go. You moved <laughs> and brought your parents. I like that. And you end up moving to Israel eventually. Well, no, for most of my life, I'm in Israel. I'm right. 27, and I'm in Israel already. Right. And you're very disappointed to people like me who are not living in Israel. Uh, we you, you walked in this morning. You were shocked to find me here. <laughs> you were like, this guy's not in Jerusalem yet? Am I right uh-huh. or wrong? Or you don't do the, you know, you're not one of these uh, great ambassadors for Aliyah. Uh, what can I say? If you're doing something productive, for, for that there's a hetter. Really? Thank you. That's good to know. <laughs> I don't know if what I do would be called productive, but for the purposes of this conversation, we'll assume it is. But you're, you're, you are shocked that more people don't leave this country for Israel. You no, the fact of the matter is I think it's, it's very positive. People are leaving. People you don't. do. You see it. Right. I mean, people who want to become more substantial financially before they go, it's a pretty legitimate reason. Uh, otherwise, sometimes the ideology is going to conflict with reality. Right. And uh, those who are realistic about it are going to probably be better served. Right. Do all your children live in Israel? I have one son who lives in Woodmere, one son who just got married lives in Chicago, and a son in two weeks who's moving temporarily to Buffalo to do care of work. Very nice. Buffalo, New York. I hear that's a growing Jewish community. Well, he's going to be working, I understand that as well, but he's going to be working in the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, does, that, does that affect you at all when children are not living in Israel? Or, you know, Bechir HaChavshit, you're going with the flow. Whatever, whatever, whatever's best for them is best for them. You know, you can't fit a whole, you know, circle into a square. I have a lot of children, and uh, not everyone is made for the right, you know, for, to be in Jerusalem. What a pleasure seeing you.
Thank you very much. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, amazing author, lecturer, um, storyteller. His 28th book, or somewhere around the number 28, is Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. It's an incredible account of World War II through Rabbi Teller's research of uh, nine uh, amazing Jewish heroes, and those are uh, nine uh, survivors of the Holocaust who, of course, were children at the time of the end of World War II. We highly recommend it, as have some of the most prominent and incredible uh, people out there in the world of uh, in the world of books in the world of the Jewish world the Jewish community uh, so check it out uh, the schedule will continue to announce on the air in terms of his appearances um, which uh, include this coming Sunday Shavasarbatamlu's up in Muncie and down in Highland Park and you can get all the we- uh, information on his website just search Rabbi Chanoch Teller a very interesting Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
done by Benny Friedman. Amazing day on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org and the Nahum Siegel Network NSN app. Make sure to be tuned in all through the day. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's uh, Charlie Harari. Right after Jam in the AM, he'll be remembering Nicholas Winton, the man who organized the rescue of 669 children destined for Nazi concentration camps. Also, Mikey Davis will do the In the News segment. The Unlocking Greatness Spotlight will be Sarah Hofstetter, CEO of 360i, talking about the power of telling your story. And because it's the season finale of uh, the uh, boardroom, he'll be ending the show with three ways that we can uh, take inspiration and turn into a practical change for our lives. Charlie Harari between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in on the uh, NSN app or uh, jmtheam.org, whatever method you use to tune in and to enjoy our programming. Um, Miriam Alwalik, excuse me, first we'll start with Allison Josephs. Uh, Jew in the City Speaks, Allison Josephs today is going to be um, uh, speaking about 
or speaking with rather Hasidic Jewish a Hasidic Jewish woman who solved the Trader Joe's Parv chocolate chip problem. <laughs> and Jack Abramowitz, an out of the box Orthodox rabbi who has a plan to help you learn all of Mishnah Torah just a few minutes each day. That happens at ten o'clock. At ten thirty, that's life with Miriam L. Wallach, and I thank Miriam L. Wallach for a great show yesterday. Uh, Puas, Rabbi Gidon Weitzman, will join the program with their upcoming event in the Five Towns, how they're helping couples out there, and um, and how the uh, how the struggle of so many couples is really one that the greater community faces together. That's all happening with Miriam L. Wallach starting at 10.30. I'll be there for the live lunch at 11 a.m., and um, I hope you'll join us for our programming all through the day on the NSN app, on our listen line. Etc., etc., etc. I want to thank Rabbi Hanoch Teller. The book is perfect for the three weeks, by the way. If you want great three weeks reading, Heroic Children is the name of the book, and uh, it's great three weeks reading. Uh, well, a reminder that the Shavasabra Tamos program in Brooklyn with Rabbi Pesach Kron, Rabbi Gavriel Sassoon, Rabbi Noach Orlowick is this coming Sunday. Shavasabra Tamos starting at uh, 6.15 with Mincha at... Um, Merkaz HaSimcha, 1898 Bay Avenue, corner of East 19th Street, uh, near Avenue M in Brooklyn, New York, that starts Sunday with Mincha at 6.15. Information 718-998-5822. Let's see. There's a movie in Tenafly, New Jersey on Wednesday, July 15th. Uh, this I got from listener Esther. The movie's about her mother's experience in the Holocaust. Uh, not in the camps, but in the Holocaust. It's a unique movie. Um, to register, go to ChabadLubavitch.org slash movie. ChabadLubavitch.org slash movie. And all the um, information is there. By the way, I got a text last night. From um, from somebody who asked me to announce the Hertzfeld family. Remember, we were asking everybody out there to um, support the Hertzfeld family in their attempt to get that special van, that specially equipped van for their family. Remember that Teaneck, New Jersey, and they ended up getting the most votes. But then it went to a panel to see if, in fact, they'd be the eventual winners. Well, a big thank you to everybody who voted. Unfortunately, they did not win it. The panel did not. Uh, um take their uh take their situation to be i guess the most pressing of all the ones that were presented hard to believe but that's what happened so they did not win the car but they want to thank everybody the Hertzfeld family wants to thank everybody who voted it means a tremendous amount to them and thank god even though they did not win there are people out there who are helping them to actually obtain that type of van for their family in light of this whole episode with the voting and with the competition, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody out there, thank you for your participation, for caring, and they thank you, and the Bezrat Hashem, they will have what they need, maybe not as quickly as uh, as they thought, but who knows, maybe even quicker, who knows. But hopefully soon they will have what they need. And, uh, again, everybody out there is, uh, is thanked and greatly encouraged to continue to help people who are in difficult situations. Um. Yeah, the Teaneck address for Rabbi for Rabbi Hanoch Teller, which is happening Tuesday night, 
uh, starting at 7.30, is 457 Churchill Avenue, 457 Churchill Avenue. So that's happening uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey, on Tuesday night. And someone on our app asks how many books Rabbi Teller has. Rabbi Teller claims somewhere around 28. Didn't want to say 28. He said somewhere around 28 books. Brand new Yaakov Shweki. It's JM in the AM.
Anton Katz with Hatov. Before that, the brand new Yakov Shweki single, I Can Be. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Big thank you to Rabbi Hanoch Teller for joining us this morning here at JMNAM. Malcolm Homeline Weekly Update coming up next week. Don't forget, we'll be in Houston Wednesday morning show. will be done in Houston, Texas in the aftermath of a major, major post storm. Uh, we'll get an update on the spot from the neighborhood and community of the Jewish community of Houston, Texas. We look forward to that visit next week. And by the way, a big thank you to our friends at Traveler's Choice, uh, Yossi Devorah, uh, from what Miriam L. Wallach tells me, they have been absolutely unbelievable in getting this whole plan between uh, uh, of everything that has to be taken care of uh, down pat for everybody, and it's much, much appreciated. Thank you, Traveler's Choice. Wishing them a great summer. Uh, tomorrow morning we're back. Malcolm Homeline with the weekly update and plenty more. Make sure to be tuned in. Tune into our stream all day long at jmnam.org and the NSN app. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.